Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges for modern parenting. Check out this week's episode. Ah, yes, the tooth fairy. Brianna's great case. On days without a tooth under her pillow, she'd lay awake and wonder just, who is the tooth fairy? Mikey, I'm going to level with you. I know you're not doing your homework. Oh, no, I, I am. I just... Mikey. I, I do it sometimes. Why didn't you take out the trash? Uh, because the dog got out. But wasn't it raining earlier? The dog's not muddy at all. I, uh, washed him. The Struggle is Real podcast starts in 3, 2, 1. Well, it sounds like we're in for an interesting discussion. Welcome to The Struggle is Real. I am Omar Ramos, along with... Veronica Avila, and of course, Dr. Alicia Laos. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Welcome to The Struggle is Real. We're excited to be here. <laughs> now, as you mentioned, Omar, we have an interesting topic. It's called Limiting the Lies, Prizing the Truth. Are you guys ready? Ooh la la, of course. And to join the conversation via phone from San Francisco, California, we've invited Dr. Julie Fraga, licensed psychologist specializing in eating disorders, postpartum depression and women's health concerns. She's also a health writer for the New York Times, Washington Post, Time Magazine, among others. Welcome, Dr. Fraga. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today. Now, I want to ask all of you, we all know that lying is wrong, right? But did you ever lie, maybe a small lie when you were growing up to your parents or do you lie to your kids? Well, I would be lying if I told you that I didn't lie. (laughs) (laughs) Many times to get myself out of trouble, of course. Uh Yeah? Yeah? I think Uh we all did. But now, how do we, if if we don't want our kids to lie, then how do we turn things around, right? Yeah. How about Mm -hmm. you, Dr. Fraga? Well, absolutely. I think all kids lie. So I can remember telling several, like, white lies, especially, like, in adolescence. Um, Usually when my mom wouldn't let me do something and I had to kind of finagle Mm -hmm. trying to get my way. And, of course, yes, depending on each of our individual beliefs, we might all tell white lies to our children. So, (laughs) Yes, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. In our next sketch, we're going to, you know what, why don't we just go ahead and listen to this. Yep. This is called The Tooth Fairy Detective. Little Brianna was losing her baby teeth. Mom, Mom, I just lost my tooth. Of course, her mom did what any mom does with their child in this situation. Well, put it under your pillow and the tooth fairy will give you a treat. Ah, yes, the tooth fairy. Brianna's great case. On days without a tooth under her pillow, she'd lay awake and wonder just, who is the tooth fairy? Mom, is the tooth fairy a boy or a girl? What do you think? I don't know, but I want to know. Well, why don't you write her a letter? So Brianna spent all day writing a letter to the Tooth Fairy with questions. Dear Tooth Fairy, how do you like flying? Santa Claus has the North Pole, but where do you live? Are you friends with Santa? How do you make all that money? Do you have a job besides being the Tooth Fairy? She spent all day on that letter, after her homework, of course, and delivered it under her pillow. (sighs) I'm going to sleep now, Tooth Fairy. The next morning, her tooth was gone, and in its place was a crisp $5 bill and a letter answering all her questions. Brianna showed it to all her friends and wowed them with what she managed to find out. See, she makes her money by sewing clothes for Santa's elves. She is friends with Santa Claus. They're business partners. But as much as the letter told, it wasn't enough for Brianna. She needed to meet the Tooth Fairy. Mom, how do I meet the Tooth Fairy? She only comes when you're asleep. You know, I always wanted to meet her, but never did. She only comes when you're sleeping? Hmm. 
So the next time Brianna lost a tooth... I lost a tooth. I lost a tooth. She hatched a plan. She borrowed a Halloween wig from her friend that looked like her hair and put it over a basketball and made it appear like she was sleeping. Really, though, she was hiding in her closet. She stayed awake, eating leftover Halloween candy and waited. What she saw, though... Tooth fairy! Tooth fairy! Oh, my gosh! Mom? What were you doing in the closet? Why are you carrying a $5 bill? It looks crisp, like the ones the tooth fairy gives me. Well... Wait, you're the tooth fairy? I... guess I am. Oh, my gosh. But who wrote the letter? Well, I did. But the letter? The crisp $5, it's always been you? Yeah. Why did you tell me there's a tooth fairy if there's not? Well, it's a fun thing. You know, it's magical. You lied to me. I didn't lie. I told you a story. A fun story that you liked. You always tell me not to lie, but you lied to me. It's... You made me lie to all my friends. I read them all that letter. I have to tell all the other kids there's no tooth fairy now, and they're all going to call me a liar. I don't think you need to tell all the other kids there's no tooth fairy. But there isn't. There's a difference between lies that hurt and lies that hurt no one. I feel hurt. I know. I'm sorry, honey. But looking back on this, you know, we're going to remember that it made you happy, and it taught you to be a pretty good detective. You know, as your mom, I'm always trying to teach you to have curiosity and to have fun. You know, this got both together. You know, it helps you learn, and you know, that's why we tell stories like the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus to kids. Santa Claus isn't real? And that was a whole other story. Ah, Well, we just heard nine-year-old Brianna crushed because she found out that the Tooth Fairy wasn't really real. That it was actually her mom. That was supposed to be a white lie or a good lie. But, Dr. Laos, are we really harming our kids with lies like this one? Well, you heard the awkwardness of the mom when she was found out, you know, mm-hmm. and they were trying to grapple with, well, you know, lies hurt people, but oh, wait, but don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, the whole thing got very messy and convoluted. So let's think about it from the side of the parent. I think for some reason we love the idea of providing a magical mm-hmm. opportunity for our kids and some of us do the Santa Claus thing or the fairy taking thing and we, and we play with it and it's an opportunity I think for us as parents to play along. Yes. Kids they already are magical and mm-hmm. they already have a world of fantasy that they recreate and create. Mm-hmm. And depending on their developmental age, that takes on a different tone. Now, when you think about Brianna, she's nine years old. Usually, you know, that's school age. And by that age, interesting that it picked her at around this age. But usually by nine year old, my experience has been that those kids are just a little bit more let on, especially if they're mm-hmm. in their school. And maybe they play along with the parents for fun and to get the five dollars. <laughs> You know, um, so so it depends. Obviously, every parent has to make a choice. I mm-hmm. would say, though, that we don't, as parents, need to create a magical opportunity. They already are magical, and we can join their world. Mm-hmm. So if we wanted to just make it easier on us, we don't have to play the tooth fairy and we the, don't have and the elf to. on the shelf. And- but you know what? If you love it and you're having fun, it's an opportunity for you to play with your kids. It is. It's just you have to f- figure out what your exit strategy is going to be later on, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Faga, Brianna mentioned mm-hmm. that she felt hurt, not only because her mom lied, but she was also going to look like a liar to her friends. Mom said she didn't really have to tell her friends. Was that the best way to manage the situation? 
Not necessarily, because I think for Brianna, that didn't really make sense, given what she'd been told about you shouldn't really tell a lie. So here she's been exposed to the truth. And then mom's telling her kind of, well, you don't really need to tell your friends. I think maybe explaining why the lie was told and how a lot of parents tell children that there's the tooth fairy because it can be really special and it's really magical and not everyone knows that this is a lie. So we don't want to expose something for other people. Might have been a better route because I think Brianna didn't really understand why she was being told not to tell her friends. Yeah, the mixed messaging for sure. Now I'm going to throw this one out there and I know that many parents listening will probably relate to this one. If not, good for you, but I know that (laughs) many parents will. Has it ever happened to you that, you know, let's say somebody calls you and then you tell the kid, tell mom I'm not home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they say, well, my mom just said she's not home or whatever. But anyway, those little lies, you're sending that mixed message. What do we need to do as parents to be self-aware and, and just avoid these little lies that may become Depending on bigger. their developmental age, they'll be on the phone. Mom says that <laughs> she's not here. Right. <laughs> Exactly. My mom said to tell you that she's not here right now. (laughs) The innocence. She catch us, you know, red-handed. Oh, goodness Um, gracious. Given that example, I think that unknowingly we might send a message as parents to our kids that it's not okay to speak about what you need. You have to kind of weasel out of it, whether or not it's you don't want to talk to a friend right now by saying that you're not available. Versus it's more honest to just say, say that I'm busy. That that would be truthful. You're busy. You know, you can't talk to the person. But I think that maybe as parents, we don't realize kind of it's seemingly harmless to us, but we don't maybe see the grander picture of how it can be potentially harmful to our children because it does relay the message possibly that it's not okay to, to get what you need, just tell white lies. Mm-hmm. Such a good point that we're sending that, you know, it's easier when we don't want to take the time and then the kids are picking mm-hmm. up. Or the responsibility. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's speak with the truth. I'm busy or I'm unavailable. We gotta I'll put call the them best, back. Yeah, we got to put the best example <laughs> out there. you're teaching them boundaries, how it's to true. establish boundaries when you're talking to them and when you're being able to be honest. Yep. Most definitely. Great stuff. So let's go ahead and proceed over to our next sketch. This is called Looking for Homework. And it sounds like this. So, Mikey, I have asked you to stay after class. Am I in trouble, Mrs. Shields? No, 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 no. I, I just, I noticed that uh, when I ask you any questions regarding homework, you shuffle your papers and say that you can't find it. Yeah, I just, you know, I must have misplaced it. Seems like you misplace it a lot. Almost every day. Well, I, you know, I, um... Mikey, I'm going to level with you. I know you're not doing your homework. Oh, no, I, I am. I just... Mikey... I, I do it sometimes. I'm sure you do, but most of the time it seems like I get the same response, and that response is a lie. Oh. Why do you feel like you can't just tell me you didn't do your homework? I, I don't want you to think that I'm a bad student. I don't really believe in bad students. I believe in uninspired students. It might sound cheesy, but it's true. Uh-huh. Every day when you shuffle your papers... I think you're trying to live up to my ideal instead of taking care of yourself. Have you ever heard that we lie because we're wishing something to be true? No. Well, I feel like that's what's going on here. I want you to do your homework for you, not for me. I understand. It's just... What is it? I've been really busy after school, and my parents have me in these after-school Spanish classes, and I've just, you know, been a little distracted with that and with school... Your parents sound pretty smart. 
they want you to be pretty smart, huh? Right. Do you feel like you're under a bit of pressure to perform well? Yeah. I'm sorry you've got so much work to do. I know you're a kid, but while you're a kid, your job is to learn this stuff so that you can grow up. Right. And I want to be a grown-up. I mean, I, I want to grow up and be successful like my mom and dad. There are other kinds of successes besides what's been for your mom and dad, Mikey. I know. Part of what we're going to do here at school is find out what success looks like for you. That's nice. <laughs> well, it's my job. <laughs> your job is to do your homework and to study and to learn how to balance your obligations. Balance. Got it. I want you to know that you can always be honest with me. Thanks, Mrs. Shields. All right. Well, thanks for talking with me. I'll walk you down to lunch. Mrs. Shields? Yeah, Mikey? Is it okay if I uh, stay in and work on my homework? Homework's for home, Mikey. You can stay late tomorrow if you like, but today I am going to walk you down to lunch. Ah, balance. Got it. Well, we're back, and uh, we just heard a 12-year-old Mikey and his teacher, Mrs. Shields, who expressed her concern for him lying every time she asks for his homework. Apparently, Mikey is overwhelmed with the Spanish class he has after school, and it seems like he's developing a pattern of lies and excuses to try to get out of a situation he doesn't know how to handle yet as far as uh, getting his homework done, doctor. Yeah, and so we're seeing here the teacher handled the situation so nicely in terms Very of nice. being empathic. Yet she held him accountable and provided mm -hmm. coaching. And so as parents, we can take the script as a great example of what we need to do is provide some empathy, listen, then use that as a benchmark to then hold them accountable and provide mm -hmm. a, a teaching opportunity. So what she did was she figured out why the lying occurred. So when we're seeing kids that are school age and teens, the lie has a function. There's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about fantasy world, monsters, imaginary friends. Mm -hmm. You're actually talking about that line has a purpose. And so as parents, I think what we need to do is, one, figure out why the lie bothers us. Mm -hmm. And if we are responding in a way that is really anger provoking, like just flaring up like crazy because we catch them in a lie, mm -hmm. Then obviously honesty is something that's important, but we need to hold that and examine what is going on internally with us. So then, then we can put that aside and then work with our kids and figure out what the lie is about. So, so much about lying activates in us mm -hmm. our own issues. Someone lied to you, trust issues, whatever. Yes. And so sometimes we respond out of character for the situation at hand. So if we want to be like the teacher in that response, we have to figure out why lying bothers us. Hmm, very interesting. Now, he mentioned that he had a Spanish class that his parents signed them up for. And I think many parents want to have that extra something for our kids to expose them to something other than school. But are we inadvertently pressuring them? Is that too much for them and then causing the lies? What do you think, Dr. Fraga? I think that it's kind of a tricky situation, and I think that it's probably not parents sign kid up for Spanish class, they don't really want to do it. Mm -hmm. And so then they tell a lie about doing the homework. Obviously, there would be something else going on in the dynamic as to mm -hmm. why the child feels that it's not okay to voice what they want. Why isn't it okay to say, you know, you signed me up for the Spanish class, but I'm really not into it. Maybe I could take French class or a different language instead. So I think in that instance, there's probably something else going on in the family dynamic where the child feels that their opinion is not welcome. 
Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to add, this teacher, Mrs. Shields, uh, apparently she showed concern for Mikey. Is this like a red flag or a reason to be alarmed, Dr. Alicia? You know, when you're seeing a pattern, whether you're a teacher or you're a parent, and mm-hmm. you're seeing something going on repeatedly, it's not just a one-time thing. That's when you're going, mm, something's going on. I mean, I have a four-year-old, and she was lying about brushing her teeth at night. <laughs> and lying really bothers me. I'm really mm-hmm. into honesty, and so I did not like it. And, you know, two or three nights, and this was happening. And so I took a moment to get collected and I was like okay she's four she's very still things are concrete this is a fun game and I started thinking about it and I was thinking about all the attention she was getting because she was not doing this and I know she is someone that loves um, one-on-one time and a lot like her love language is time and affection and I was thinking I've been spending a lot of time with her Mm-hmm. And so really what I did was I spent more time with her. And before I knew it, the lying of the brushing of the teeth stopped. Mm. Wow. And so with her, there was a reason behind the lying, yes. even though she was still only four years old. And so sometimes we put it all the responsibility on the child when, you know, if we just do a little bit of evaluating and figuring out why is it bothering me? What is the reason behind it? In the case of the 12 year old, having a conversation, talking it through. And even in my four year old, I eventually told her, you know, I don't really like lying. This is what it does to me, you know, and we we talked about it because she could obviously understand. But that's why it's important to think about it in developmental milestones. Um, Dr. Farga, what do you think about that? Thinking about lying in terms of the development of children and where they're at. Absolutely, because I think that lies happen for different reasons at different ages. Certainly a four-year-old that's telling, you know, a white lie about brushing of teeth is very different than a teenager who's lying about maybe time they're spending on social media or who they've been out with the night before. So I think we have to consider all of that contextually and then also think how to respond to our children based on all of that information. You know, that one, you don't respond the same way to a four-year-old as you might to a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. definitely. So if we dig deeper, we'll find out, yeah. put everything on the table and bring that honesty. And I just think it's so important in my clinical work, I would just see so many parents being flustered with lying because it would just come up often. And the tacit response would be just to punish each time. Mm-hmm. And so just mm-hmm. being able but to be nuanced, think about it a little bit more than just because I said so, mm-hmm. stop it and go to your room, you know. Hmm. Something to think about. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Okay, let's move along to our next sketch and our final sketch. This is called Web of Lies. Max. Yeah, Mom? Why didn't you take out the trash? Uh, because the dog got out. But wasn't it raining earlier? The dog's not muddy at all. I, uh, washed him. Where'd you wash him? This sink's full of dishes. I washed him in the living room. How'd you wash him in the living room? A kiddie pool. Where'd you get a kiddie pool? From Mr. Grubber. Mr. Grubber that's on vacation? Yeah, he gave me the key to his house. Where's the kiddie pool now? I brought it back. He gave me specific instructions on how to borrow it. He told you to borrow his kiddie pool before he left on vacation? Yeah, they were really specific instructions. Why would Mr. Grubber have a kiddie pool? He doesn't have any kids. He uses it to, uh, make his own soda? Mr. Grubber's a soda maker? How come I've never heard of this? He's very humble. Where does he sell it? At the grocery store. How come I've never seen it at the grocery store? It all gets bought first thing Monday morning. Someone comes in and buys it so no one else can see it or know about it. Who are they? Girl Scouts. Girl Scouts. Why do they need Mr. Grubber's homemade soda? Because, um, it's like 
Gatorade for girls. What makes it just for girls? It's pink colored. Why doesn't Mr. Grubber just sell his soda directly to the Girl Scouts? He's very good friends with the owners of the grocery store. He's doing a grocery store a favor? Yeah. The big corporate grocery store. He must be selling more than a kiddie pool's worth of soda. It's really expensive. How expensive? $99 a bottle. $99 a bottle? But what do the Girl Scouts get money for this? Girl Scout cookies, duh. So it's really good soda for you. It's really important. Yeah, it's got growth hormones in it. When do you need a license to sell stuff like that? Yeah, Mr. Grubber has all the license up in his garage. I've never seen him when he's working on his car. He takes them down because, like I said, he's humble and a little secretive. Clearly. Max, if you wash the dog, why is he so dry? I dried him. All righty then. What was that? <laughs> we just heard Max, who's 10-year-old. He was lying to his mom over and over again. This kiddie pool with the soda pop and then the dog and it was a big business and I don't know what with the Girl Scout cookies, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what action can parents take now so it doesn't escalate? Because it may seem cute now, yeah. right? Like many of our kids, if they're young, but down the road. That's not going to be so helpful. So I want all the audience who can relate and have remembered a time when they were a kid to raise their hand. I'm raising both when my this hands. story was so embellished. Well. It ended up being crazy. I mean, that's just where my mind went. Oh my I remember goodness. doing this as a kid, and it just is wild. All the imagination Imagination, goes. exactly. And then you can't figure out how to get. So I think there's something that we do once we commit to an idea. Mm-hmm. We, it's hard to, to get out of it. We get so committed. You know, there's something that's called confirmation bias, and that's something that comes to mind, and that's the idea that, if, let's say you buy a specific type of car. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Then you start seeing all the different kinds of cars that are like that, and then all of a sudden you're like, your idea originally continues to be confirmed, like, I made the right decision. <laughs> oh, I and see. so psychologically, there's all these studies that have talked about that, that once you commit to an idea, you start seeing all these things that commit to it. So I just wonder if a little bit of that is going on. You know, once you make a decision to believe a lie that you've yourself articulated how much of it you start confirming and you start embellishing you just don't want to you commit to your idea and then it just kind of keeps growing growing. and then are you going to remember all that tangled all that web of of lies goodness of course not but it can escalate if it goes into adulthood right oh yeah yeah. yes it could that's why when I asked the following question Obviously, the kid was uh, tied up doing something else, probably on the computer. You know, washing the dog would probably be something boring for him because it's not cool, <laughs> yuck, whatever. Or is this something that he's learning from maybe at home from a parent, from both parents? The question to you, Dr. Fraga, should parents be more mindful of their own behavior so it doesn't trickle down to the kiddos? Absolutely. I mean, in this instance, because he keeps going and the like, the lie is growing like Pinocchio's nose, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, <laughs> oh, he has a soda, oh, it's $99 a bottle. <laughs> it's probably unlikely that he's picking up that specific behavior from parents. But I always think parents can be more mindful about the fact that we're mirrors. Our children are watching us. They mm-hmm. see what we're doing and they absorb it. They're like little sponges. And so because their brains aren't as developed as an adult's brain, they could see a few white lies and they have big imaginations and it can stretch out into this type of a, you know, mistruth. So I'm wondering what age do you know that the imagination has stretched enough so that they don't cross that reality line? Yeah, I know in this kid he was 10 years old. So that's that fine line, you you know, between the eight and 10, they're still in that play world, but they're very cognizant at Mm -hmm. that time. And in this case, 
Christ, he, he is lying and you can. I mean, I have found my son who loves to create worlds and daydream, mm-hmm. but he knows when he's daydreaming and when he's not. So it's not like they're completely out of reality, you know, yes. 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so they can be held accountable and they know what pretend play is. My four-year-old, she's like, mm-hmm. we're pretend, mm-hmm. I'm pretending. Yes. And they, you know, they know that when they're pretending is pretending and when it's the real thing, it's the real thing. Mm-hmm. They're able to differentiate mm-hmm. that. Most definitely. Now, some liars, now that they're grown a little older, I don't know, teens or older, they're so used to lying that they believe their own lies. Now, what can parents do to help their kids understand the consequences that lying can have in their overall relationships throughout their life? I mean, I think that if a child's lying and they're believing their own lies, you have almost a different concern altogether. That's different than somebody telling a white lie about brushing of teeth or Mm -hmm. about taking the dog for a walk. I think if somebody is believing the lies that they're telling, then potentially we have to look and see what else might be going on that's Mm -hmm. um, causing them to believe something about themselves that isn't true. Are they feeling really insecure? Are they being bullied? Because to me, that says there's some type of denial going on. Mm -hmm. And when we see a defensive denial, we have to think that it's a way to avoid some type of suffering. I think that is a different camp of mistruth than the other mistruths we've been discussing. Yeah, you start getting really concerned about the mental health and mental well-being. You see that a lot in eating disorders and a whole slew Mm -hmm. of different kinds of things that might be going on that need to be Addressed professionally. Addressed professionally, yeah, at that point when you're and starting to see that. not just with you know, grown-ups as well, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 hmm absolutely. Yeah, I come across some people that I'm like, what are you saying? But it is what it is. Okay, well, that pretty much summarizes it up. Thank you both for sharing your expertise and tips, Dr. Fraga. Where can people learn more about you and your articles and blogs? So certainly just on my website, www.drjuliefraga.com, and also on Twitter. Awesome. And Dr. Alicia, what's today's takeaway for keeping it real? Number one, lying is something that can activate your emotions because a lot of us have a strong value towards truth and integrity. And so consider what the lying is doing to you first mm-hmm. when you catch it in others, in adults and children. To think about it, the lie in the context of the developmental age, you know, children who are toddler versus an adolescent is going to have a different reason. And so then based on the development of the age, then you appropriate a consequence in their elementary school children. You start teaching them about why honesty is important, but just explore why, but just saying, you know, you lied to me and losing our temper is often not, not helpful in that regard. That's pretty important to investigate the why. And then the third thing that we talked about is let's mirror to our children what we want. So if we're mm-hmm lying and being deceptive, we are sending mixed messages. If we're having them make, you know, lie for us because we don't want to be honest with others, Mm -hmm. then later they just become great manipulators. And do we want that? So let's have a vision of our kids that has those values of integrity and honesty and being able to just talk about what's going on. And then that means that we need to learn those skill sets and apply them because if otherwise we're just teaching them to manipulate others. And that's that's a problem later on. That is a problem later on. See, thank you so much mm-hmm. for that, doctor. Lights can get ugly, so let's keep it real. Yes, please. This was The Struggle is Real. Find resources and more information at familybridgesusa.org. 
download the app where we've actually outlined some really specific tips and ideas in terms of how to deal with lies depending on the developmental age of your child. So if he's two, if she's 12, if she's done, like what we've talked about, how do you respond to the lies depending on their age? And you can download that via our app at Family Bridges. That's right. You can also check us out on social media with the hashtag, the struggle is real, hashtag TSIR. Okay, so that's hashtag TSIR. Thanks for tuning in. I am Omar Ramos. Dr. Alicia Laos. And I'm Veronica Avila. Till Til next, next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com. <laughs>